Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. Awesome. So, how's yeah. things in uh, Norway? You guys are six games deep. I just saw. Yeah, man, it's good. Uh, season started like a little like over a month later than usual, but you know, by the time everything got figured out, it was nice to get it going, and we've been lucky so far. Like. I don't even want to say it, but knock on wood, yeah, nothing's like <laughs> nothing's happened yet. So, you know, it's everybody's kind of waiting for just somebody to test positive on one team. I mean, you see kind of all over Europe, it's happening where like it just takes one team and games are getting postponed and stuff. So, but we're even lucky. So we've we played all six that we should have played so far, and yeah, yeah, it's good. Like the we're kind of lucky to be in Norway, I guess, because the government, like the the country itself, is you know, very supportive of like the sporting and stuff and the government's got a lot of money. So they're helping uh, compensate all the teams and stuff for all the lost revenue from fans and all that. The, and, the government uh, is, the government's. Yeah. Out. Yeah. It's awesome. So they're kicking in something. So we still have a 200 fan limit right now. So the government's kicking in, I, I want to say 70% of lost all revenue, like what like ticket revenue, uh, concession um you know like whatever they sell at the rink everything so they're they're covering a good good portion of it right now so guys as of right now like nobody's everybody's nobody had to take pay cuts or anything like that so like i think it's one of the only countries if not the only one that's doing that so we're in a pretty good situation here so like i said i don't want to jinx it but uh, yeah no kidding yeah <laughs> well so leading yeah. up to uh the season like when would you guys have usually started usually we start like right at the end of july like first week of august yeah um so we're here pretty early and then it's a different thing in europe i guess as you play like a ton of like exhibition games and stuff so i mean usually within norway uh yeah it was in norway or we we usually go outside too i mean this year we couldn't like uh in the previous years we've gone to denmark we've gone to sweden um, we were supposed to actually go to Germany this year, um, but obviously that couldn't happen. So this year we just stayed within Norway and played the teams we usually play, which yeah, it's it's always nice. Like those exhibition games, it's fun to get out and, you know, kind of see where you're at compared to other leagues and stuff. So that's a little bit disappointing. Like last year, um, Bremerhaven from Germany, the DEL league, they came yep. here and played us two games. So it's kind of like they make agreements. So like they're supposed to come. We or Yeah, they came here two games last year and then we were supposed to go there this year for two but yeah obviously that couldn't happen so how, how many preseason games are you looking at like 10 this year we yeah this year we played eight that's Shit. a lot that's yeah, in, was, on top of the six that you already played uh yeah 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 so we're Shit. at yeah awesome yeah so uh leading up to like the the season you stayed in norway this year yeah it was kind of one of those things with everything going on like usually i'd come home for like a month or so i yeah 
but I uh, have my fiance here and stuff and we have an apartment and all that. So awesome. Um, yeah, like I ended up having to stay here just because we weren't so sure, like obviously the travel was banned at the start. So I was kind of like stuck here a little bit. And then it, at that point after that, it was like, if we went back to Canada and she would come with me, then we were going to have to quarantine for like two weeks going there. And then again, two weeks when we came back. So it was kind of like, ah, like, do we really want to do that? Like at that point, like nobody really still knew what was going on. So we're like, oh, maybe it'll open up, maybe it'll open up. But obviously we were way off like with that. So I ended up staying here and there's a bunch of guys on the team from here. And then another uh, American guy who's married to a Norwegian as well. That he has, they have two kids here. So he's around too. So we train together and stuff. Like it's, we got a good group of guys. Is there, uh, what's your golf situation looking like over there? Yeah, that's a tough thing. I mean, so I, uh, I hadn't brought my clubs out or anything. So I actually ended up buying this set off a guy on a team and they, they kind of got this like little par three course. That's about 50 minutes down the road, like just on the side of a ski hill which is fun to just get out and play. Oh, yeah. But then there's another one about 25 minutes away that we went to a bunch. So it doesn't really, I don't want to chirp in a region golf, but it doesn't really compare <laughs> to back home. So it, you, you miss it big time. So, but it's, it's just fun to get out and play. Yeah, exactly. Same, same sport, just different plays, I guess. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's crazy to think like, you know, leading up to the seasons, luckily you guys started, but now you like now where we are looking back, it's like, yeah, there's no, like I, if the government doesn't sponsor, teams and support that revenue or yeah that revenue loss like there'd be no athletics right so oh, yeah nothing yeah so they they did it for there's a pretty big like soccer uh league here as well it's like probably their biggest sport so they did it for them and then also handball is a really huge sport too yeah awesome which is kind of weird for people back home to hear but i kind of is that like the so. the mini tennis court thing or it's the, like no it's, pickleball, man, it's like guess. it's like on like a basketball court basically but bigger it's like, you know, That's like right. games that you would play yeah, in yeah. gym class, like, like literally like handball. Yeah. Like, you have to like run a few steps, dribble it, pass it. Like we went to, uh, they had like a, there's like a champions league. So there's a, we have a big like stadium here where they had like the Olympic opening ceremonies and all that stuff. Yeah. So we, we play a couple of games there holds like 12,000 people. So there's actually like a team that's close to us in the champions league and they played the PSG Paris Saint-Germain. Like, so like they had a big game here last year we went to it and it was just it was unbelievable man these guys are monsters and they're just like it's physical like twelve thousand people they're going insane like really? I've never seen anything like it yeah it was it was pretty cool like it's, is it the it's biggest sport like, is the biggest sport in norway uh or? no i mean cross-country skiing is probably the biggest uh that's, that's weird to think too yeah a lot of people part yeah that's, that. it's different like they dominate like they win every gold and the olympics and stuff so I guess because they're good at it, then they take it up. We always like yeah, all the North American guys are always bugging the Norwegians on the team. Like the, the biggest sports here, like nobody cares about. Like it's just you guys are the only country that actually cares about it. You it's a, le- it's a it. leisure thing everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's pretty cool. Like just different cultures and stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I yeah. mean, language barriers, I guess. Is that something? I was just scrolling through your Instagram and trying to read some of those things. Like, Hit and translate uh, and everything. Like there's yeah, no yeah. no really similarities, right? So how do, how do you deal with that on that end? I mean, I've been here four years now, so I my fiance, if she heard me, she would probably laugh at me. But I I, I picked it up like yeah. listening wise and stuff. Like guys are speaking in the locker room and stuff or whatever. Just even when she were at her parents' house and they're talking, like I'll know at least the subject, what's going on. It's it's tough to speak. Like I don't. Is it one of those languages yet. where they throw in like uh, English words? So you kind of just have to follow on those. 
sometimes, but it's not a ton in there. I mean, the thing that it's good and bad here, it's like every single person here speaks English. Yeah. They're so yeah, good at true. English. So like sometimes you just forget where you are. Like I just go, whatever, you go to the gas station, you go to a store, you're picking up something. You just don't even think about it. You just walk up and ask a person in English if you need some help or like whatever. You call yeah. somebody like you always. So it's good in that sense. I'd like you can survive and get things done, but then it's bad in the sense that you just never actually learn the Norwegian well, language. Yeah. To like be able to communicate, I guess, effectively too, you'd have to be able to like speak the language. Cause I was thinking about that yeah. the other day of like, if you're in a situation where you just have to listen and, and you would like how easy it would be to pick up that language and then let alone speak it. If you don't know how to do that. I think, yeah, it's tough, man. Like it's, they can't they don't really compare it to anything like they i mean norwegian swedish and danish it's all like kind of one language it's very similar and then other than that it's just like it's it's tough to pick up and then i find like their like their pronunciations it's really tough like when i try to speak it or other get english guys try to speak it we just get laughed at like they're just like yeah. it's like uh, and you should have said uh and like you're like it's a totally different word and they're just laughing at you you're just oh, they're always giving you the gears sure. <laughs> yeah all the time I mean, it's not a good excuse, but it's like, <laughs> it's just frustrating sometimes. No, I mean, that's awesome. Just be able to rewire your brain that way and, you know, pick up new things. So I, I was just looking at uh, your career, I guess. This is your, what are you, your ninth year pro or eighth year? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I think eighth or ninth, yeah, up there, and, yeah. And you you played in Italy for? Yeah, that was my first year over in Europe. I ended up playing in uh, the Alps League, it's called. So the first year I was there, was the first year they they combined like the italian top league with like austria um slovenia and is that the only three countries yeah i think now there's been a team in czech or slovakia or something like that but yeah so it was yeah it was interesting like the the italian top league uh i think back in the day like used to be like a pretty good like highly paid league and stuff and since then i think they've kind of lost like some of their I don't know, I guess like sponsorship money and things like that. So the money might not be as big there now, but so they decided to combine all these leagues and yeah, it's a, it's still going strong. It's a good league. And uh, it was a good start to, to get over there to start. I mean, it was a beautiful place to live, like unbelievable. Um, sure. Had a good year there. Yeah. Uh, so how did you like so the internet kind of cut out there? So I'm going to have to make a little bit of edit, but so yeah. like when you left, um, I guess, were you living in, in BC or were you still down, I guess, in Worcester, South Carolina? Like, were you in the U S and then you made that, that jump or is it something that you kept coming out of the end of the summer? You, you went over there. And then also on that, did, were you working with an advisor or an agent at that point? Uh, how did that happen? I was, I actually finished, I ended up at the end of my year in South Carolina there at the, I had a really good year. And then at the end of the year, like right at the trade deadline and the trade deadline's closer to the end of the season there. Yeah. I ended up getting dealt for the first time in my career rate, like seriously 10 minutes before the deadline, like completely unexpected. Like I was pretty rattled about it and I got traded to a team that wasn't even going to make playoffs. So I was like, their coach is calling me trying to get, it was, I traded to Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. I'm like, Hey man, I don't think I'm coming. Like <laughs> I just packed up my car and I actually drove to Pittsburgh and spent like a couple weeks with my buddy there that yeah. plays in Pittsburgh and, hung out and I was just sitting there thinking like, what am I going to do? Like, what's, what's going to happen? I knew I wanted to go to Europe and I had a really good family friend actually um, from Kelowna who is just a legend in Italy. Um, and his, his son is yeah my, one of my best friends who's played over there for a while too. 
he hooked me up kind of with like their their guy I guess that his connections and stuff that he knew there so it ended up working out through that way like it was one of the teams he played for and he was good friends with like the the GM there and stuff so it was kind of just like one of those like close-knit family connections like we our families are really good friends we grew up together and he kind of vouched for me and said like hey he's willing to come over like you know like this is what he brings blah 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 kind of thing so I got lucky in that sense that when you have a guy like that who's kind of a legend and he has a really good reputation to kind of vouch for you so it was for sure it was one of those situations and I jumped all over the opportunity like just to get my foot in the door to come over was was big well absolutely yeah getting getting that opening into Europe because then at that point you played a year and then went over to Norway like what was that transition looking like yeah it was I mean it was awesome like I like I said I really enjoyed my year in Italy we didn't have a we didn't have a great team but it was still a lot of fun and yeah it was different like um obviously you go like I spent three or four years around South Carolina Worcester Manchester you know kind of bouncing around up and down and it's pretty like it's it's pretty stressful like when you're a like a borderline AHL East Coast player when you're you don't really know where you're going to be week to week and you know you're grinding away you're traveling all the time and you just you want to get up so bad and then you know the stress of it never happening and this and that and when you go over there like it's kind of a you can take a, a breath of fresh air a little bit just knowing that you're going to be there but at the same time then it's a different kind of pressure like in that league there's only four imports so like you have to produce, you got to play every game. You have to produce like you're the go-to guy. So it, it's a different kind of pressure, but it's, that's more of the pressure you want than like, Oh, I'm just playing to save my job kind of thing. Like hopefully I don't get cut this week and then what am I going to do? But um, yeah, like the lifestyle and stuff over there, it was, it was a lot different. Like a lot of the guys, like the money is pretty good, but a lot of the guys on the team, they, they're kind of playing more as a hobby like they have jobs during the day so it was a little less professional in that sense like a lot of the guys were like working hard labor jobs all day and we didn't practice till 6 37 at night so as an import things yeah as an import is it something that they you know they're spending their money on i guess import you and then you can do the or do they give you a day job as well no, no, like that, I mean, I think there is some leagues like that, but in that league, like that's your job. Like I said, the money's yeah. actually pretty good for us, like going over there. And so like, you're just playing hockey, like you're, you're locked in. And like I said, you kind of have to produce and all that. But yeah, a lot of the guys you play with, like they're working their like nine to fives every yeah, day. Painting, construction. Yeah, serious, man. Like it really like makes you kind of step back and gives you like an appreciation kind of for what you're doing. Like, these guys are literally just playing because they love the game and they're getting paid a little bit on the side too, but their main source of income is coming from their like day jobs. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting transition really. Like a lot of guys um, still go through that of battling that day to day. How do I survive in the East coast? If even if in the AHL too, I mean, you obviously want to get to the NHL, but at what point do you have to make a move and kind of look out for yourself? If you're trying to make a career out of playing hockey and you know, Europe is obviously yeah. a, a big choice and a choice for a lot of people. So it's um yeah i mean the stress of living living that day to day to be you know yeah. two or three years and especially coming out of college too right yeah exactly and you kind of i mean you're young enough where you're like okay i'm gonna give myself a couple years here and like see what happens but then like you said it gets to the point where like okay like am i gonna make this a thing or should i just shut it down here and try to find maybe get into another career where i can build from the start again and yeah. i guess for me like it was one of those things where i was like i gave it those couple years and it's still 
obviously didn't work out exactly how I wanted. Like, of course, I would have liked to be a full-time American League player and see where that goes. Didn't really work out like that. But like I said, then you get your foot in the door in Europe and that, the first league in Italy, which was good. But then it was like, then I'm looking at Norway where like, that's even like another step up, like a more professional, like this is like all the guys on this team are pros and like everybody's like where it's, it's more like a, yeah, professional league, I guess is what you can say. Like, yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. So let's kind of go back, I guess, to, to day one in hockey and kind of walk down that path to, to, to the point where you're like, you know, I, at this point, I want to make a career out of trying to play hockey and, you know, eight years later in pros, you're still, still there. So uh, you also you grew up in West Kelowna or Kelowna? Kelowna, yeah, Kelowna. Kelowna, yeah, and played youth hockey there. And then uh, what going down the path of the BCHL and, you know, obviously the college and, and where you are now. So uh, kind of walk us through that path and, and let us know. Yeah, I guess uh, I grew up playing yeah, pretty much all my minor hockey in Kelowna all the way up until my second year midget. Um, I guess when I started playing midget in BC, it was the year – the second year that they started doing like what they called the major midget league there. Yeah. So before we just had, yeah. So there's three years of midget. And then before it would just be like your in BC, at least it was just like, you could only play for your city kind of, yeah. but then they, so what they did then was they combined it to like make regional teams. So at that time, I don't even know, there's maybe like eight or nine regional teams. So we combined like Kelowna and all the surrounding areas, like the smaller towns of Vernon, Penticton, uh like I think even guys merit and things like that then you all try out for that top midget team and then I guess they made it kind of hopefully to like compete a little bit more with like the Alberta midget and things like that because like consolidate those that Okanagan Valley I guess right yeah so that was a big step I mean like that was the first time like you know you didn't really know what to expect like when you're starting to get outside your city a little bit and all that competition like of course like for sure just in your city, there's a ton of competition, but then when you start breaking it out into, then you're adding like a couple hundred extra players in the mix for that, then kind of see where you're at. And I mean, that was a really good league. Like that was a good step and kind of gave you the confidence to jump into the BCHL a little bit. Like once you knew you could compete well, in that midget league. Yeah. Great question there. Like at that point going into that year, there's probably a lot of uncertainty and unknown, you know, if I'm going to make the team, if I'm the best, you know, if I have can get a spot versus all these other players and, uh, all these surrounding towns consolidated. So at, at the point when you made the team, like what kind of, what did that do for you and your, you and your confidence, I guess? Thinking back now, like, it's kind of funny. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but like at that time, like it was a lot of those kids, basically every kid that was on that team was kind of like almost guaranteed a spot because they had, they were drafted into the Western league. Right. So like yeah. they, I never got drafted in the WHL. So like I'm sitting there, like you're kind of like looking around and it's just like, it's not like the whole politics thing, but it, it was what it was. It was just like, these kids got drafted high draft picks. Like they're all, are, they're already like signed. They're like automatically on the team. And going into that, I'm thinking like, Oh, how am I going to like, like shape up an extra, these guys like, you know, and it's like, and then you kind of find your way. Like, I don't know. I think at that age, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of different. Like, so there are different stages of development, right? Like, I was by no, I wasn't a small kid, but like, I wasn't like filled out by any means. I wasn't, I didn't have the strength. I didn't have like, yeah. like these other kids, like they're growing beards and they're like, you know, huge, like just running people over. And I wasn't there yet, but I still felt like I was a pretty good hockey player. Like I still felt yeah. like, like my mind and stuff, like I, playing the game, I felt like I was there. And then when you get into like, I ended up, yeah, in those trials, I think 
I think it was only me and one other guy who were undrafted, at least on D, that made the team. The rest were all draft picks. So I think we carried eight D, six of them draft picks, two weren't. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, like then you you realize pretty quickly, like, hey, that's no problem for me. Like you start to mature, you start to grow, like get a little bit, get a little bit of strength, whatever. Like, and you can realize that it's not a problem to compete with those guys. And uh, for sure, and yeah, you're obviously putting up. Uh, you're scoring and you know, nine goals and 12 assists. So, I mean, being able to start producing on that team as well, is probably a big eye opener for you as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think I was, I was made a captain like right out of training camp and that was kind of a big honor, a big deal for me. And sure. uh, we had a really good team too. We actually won the whole league that year. So, yeah. Awesome. yeah so, uh, I mean, that was just, it was all positive experience. And I mean, like, I guess, people always talk about in hockey, like when you're on winning teams and then that's kind of where the, for guys like me, at least, especially, like I said, not drafted or whatever, like if you're part of those winning teams, then you're going to get noticed a little bit and then get those opportunities to, sure. to try get those BCHL looks or whatever your route you're thinking about going. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that year was probably a pivotal year for you and having to decide did WHL teams start coming knocking at your door too? Yeah, I think I ended up getting listed by Swift Current, I think, but yep. uh, it wasn't ever like, in my mind, it wasn't ever really like a serious thing. I kind of always had my mindset on going like the, the NCAA way. My parents kind of pushed me that way too, but. Well, was it a I common thing that, at that point for like, cause. Not at all. Like, especially right? kids in BC, like it wasn't like, wasn't really heard of, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it was just, it was a lot of my parents and like people that I was just sort of, like surrounded with, like a lot of those people kind of thought that was the way to go. And we actually ended up like, um, I kind of, I lived in uh, White Rock for, I don't know, until I was maybe eight or nine. So I actually played my minor hockey there before that in Sammy Amu it's called, but we ended up, my parents ended up billeting a player that played for the Surrey Eagles in the BCHL. Yeah. He never got a scholarship, but just from them billeting him, they were kind of around like the league and like talking to like the people around that league being like, Hey, like, there's scholarships available, you know, like this guy's going to Michigan, this guy's going to Denver, you know, like kind of thing. And, oh, what, really? Like nobody knew about it. Yeah. And then, Absolutely. so that's kind of how they, like, and the more they found out about it, the more they, they never forced me or like anything like that, but they're kind of showing me the options. Like, hey, this might be like the way to go. Like, especially, like I said, like a little bit later developing, like physically and stuff, like it just gives you that much extra time. And like, it was, yeah. Yeah, I know it's, it's weird. I'm say, jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, that's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, because I mean that was it. Was seemed like a one-off situation. I mean, it still kind of does, where you run into guys that were, you know, I guess born in the seventies that went down to college in the nineties in the U.S. And it's like, fuck, like I, I had no idea you would have done that, right? So, yeah. uh, but now, yeah. now more than ever, it seems like a very prevalent thing. And the BCHL is definitely one of the yeah. better junior leagues, if not the best, I'd say in in North America. So, uh, yeah, being able to stay in in uh, Kelowna or West Kelowna to play for ju- your the junior to the local junior team too that was must be yeah awesome yeah. yeah it was awesome like so that's so that year after we played midget i was talking about that we won it um there wasn't a team and it was actually they put a team west Kona, but it wasn't there before so they moved it Shit. just i just another kind of lucky thing for me like they moved it from um langley to west Kona. Yeah. so brand new team uh didn't really know anything about it i was actually like at that time too i think BCHL teams could like list you or like APU they called it yeah so I was with Salmon Arm I think the year before I don't I never played a game but I was just like kind of around and they had me up for some practices here and there kind of thing and they wanted me to play there and then 
a couple months before the season was about to start, then I got a call from the coach in Westside, like, Hey, we're not going to give you a spot, but you can come try out here. And like, you can play at home. And if not, then I still have another year left in midget. So they said, Oh, you could kind of do the AP thing with us and let's just see what happens. And it wasn't like, I really wanted to stay at home, but it was just kind of like, Hey, if I could make this team and like play in my hometown, BCHL, like that's, that'd be pretty cool. Like give this a shot. So is that the, it was good timing in the sense, like yeah. they, uh, like I said, they're a brand new team. So they were looking to kind of build, like they, we had some older guys, but there was a lot of young guys on that team too. So it was, a, it was a good time to like, to like get in the, my foot in the door in the BCHL there for sure. Uh, did you guys end up winning there? Never like no. nothing. No. no, I think the furthest we made it was maybe like the, we ran into some pretty good teams. I think two of my four years there, Vernon won the like the RBC, and then uh, Penticton won it. I think one year too. So with that, those are all teams in our conference that were pretty good, pretty tough to compete with. Did so you finish high school out of Clon as well? Yeah, yeah. I got to like I just got to stay at my same high school with all my buddies yeah. and stuff, and I would drive across the bridge every day and go to practice and yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so let's yeah. kind of revisit, let's go back to that experience in juniors. Um, Cause obviously, you know, your parents kind of guided you down that, or at least explained the options to you. Um, so once uh, you made the team and uh, started playing the exhibition season and then the college recruiters are coming, starting to talk to you, what was that experience like for you? And when did they start? It's pretty, yeah, man. Like you said, like those exhibition games and stuff, like right at the start of the year, like I was pretty like, I was like, I don't know if starstruck is the right word or just like a little bit mind blown. Like, you know, like, like you said, after yeah, games, absolutely. like, especially when, when you're a younger guy, like, uh, like they're, the recruiters are on you right away. Right. So like after practice or after the game, like you got like five different schools to talk to you. Like, oh, I'm talking to Brown. I'm talking to what, like Michigan. I'm talking to this school. That's where you're like, what's going on? Right? Like, this is insane. Like, I, like I, you had no experience doing that before. And like, obviously I think if you're an American kid or whatever, that's kind of normal and you'd, oh yeah, yeah. whatever. But for us, it, or for me, especially it was so foreign, like the whole idea, like, Oh my God, like I could go do this. Like I mean, you see the shit in was, movies, right? It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was pretty like, I mean, it was motivating obviously too. Like it was, sure. yeah. So yeah, it was cool, man. Like it was like those, those times were like really exciting. I remember that, like just you getting all those kind of letters and calls, like they could, they could call you a certain time yeah. amount of times a week or whatever. So many weird rules around it, but it was like every time so, the phone rang, you're like, you're like, well, oh, who's absolutely. it going to be today? Yeah. <laughs> Save yeah. all the business cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I probably still got them somewhere. Maybe my mom has them. Yeah, for sure. My, in a box sure somewhere. Uh, so <laughs> going back to that, I mean, obviously you get to finish school or high school in Kelowna. Um, academically at this point what were you thinking was it something that you're like oh shit i need to have certain things to uh to be able to get into the colleges and then my obviously write the sat uh so what was your academic experience look like looking like to get you prepared for that that chance yeah like i said i guess i go back to my parents like they were always pretty like strict about that so they made sure that my my grades were always like up to par so yeah like i i knew that those grades helped obviously, but then, then I hear about the, the SATs. I didn't know what that was either. Yeah. And uh, then you kind of, I found out more about that, I guess, just through like other guys on the team, like older guys, like having done it before and like yeah. them it's telling you that you need these certain, for sure. Yeah. pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's it, like, I'm sure it's more known now, but I, even that, like not that long ago, but back then it was like 
seem pretty foreign. Like I don't really know what's going on, but we were pretty lucky in, in West Kona. Like we actually had a guy who worked at like one of the local high schools who knew like a little bit about that stuff. So they kind of hired him as like a advisor kind of thing. So he would like set you up with like the SAT prep books and all that stuff. And like tell you where you had to go, when you had to do it. Like these are the scores you're looking for, like kind of just guide you through it a little bit. So I remember that process and being like, yeah, pretty nervous about that. Cause it, like I said, it was just yeah. so unknown. Like you just had no idea really like what was going on. Yeah. It's, I mean, at least there's resources for you out there. I mean, nowadays it's, I, I think they're like looking to get rid of the SAT to get into college just because it's oh, really? shit. But yeah, well, there has been talk no. about just standard, not having standardized tests because you can't really get together anymore with and write the tests or you could sit online and do what you need to do online. But in order to right. get into school, like that's just not going to work anymore in the, in the COVID era getting together. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. But um, so you signed with Merrimack. What was, uh, what year? in juniors did you start talking to them and then uh, fly down i guess and, and see the school so honestly yeah like we talk about like all those <laughs> all those schools talking to you at the start so it's kind of one of those things where you're just like okay like after your first year like oh this is gonna be easy you know like yeah. i can't wait to get my scholarship like this is, yeah this is gonna be so like i i didn't get it until i was uh 19 20 years old my last year i didn't get it till I kind of like, I was, I had some up and down years and, you know, injuries and things like that. And it's just, there's a lot of good players out there. And it just, like, it was one of those things, like, I always felt like I could do it. And like, you see other guys getting scholarships and you get a little bit down because you're like, oh, I got, why, why are they taking this guy and not me? Kind of, you go, so you go through those phases where you kind of like feel sorry for yourself. And then you're like, and you just start playing like garbage. And it's just like, nothing's going to happen for you then. And then you got to, I had, I was really fortunate to have some really good coaches there who kind of just like, kind of grabbed me by my ears a couple times and were like man you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself here like yeah. just shut up and just work and play like you're good enough like you just got to play and like prove it so if I I mean if I didn't have those guys being tough on me like I who knows what would I maybe would have given up but it was about my 20 year old year and then uh Darren Yopik who yep. I think you he coached you at Merrimack here or yeah I was there for, he, yeah one year the first yeah. year he ended up leaving Merrimack and then getting the head coaching job in West Cohen on my 20 year old year. Yeah. I didn't, I had no connection with him before nothing. And he was, he was a great oh, coach for me. He gave me a lot of, he gave so me a lot Yopper, of opportunity. And yeah. came from Merrimack back to Kelowna. And then that's how you get the, the bridge kind of started there. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So I was kind of like, I mean, I don't know how many teams radars I was on that point, but then I ended up like having a really, really good 20 year old year. I won the BCHL defenseman of the year award. Like awesome. I did, I was just, it was kind of one of those things, like I said, I went through all these up and downs and by the, like my 20 year old year, I was just kind of like, fuck it. Like, let's go. Whatever happens, happens. Just, yeah. and then the opera came in and it was kind of a breath of fresh air for me. Like I had this other coach for three years who was great. I liked him, but you know, when somebody new comes in, it's just like, like I said, a little bit of fresh air. And I knew that the opera had that connection. And if I just proved myself then he was going to help me out and do whatever he could, he has, he was such a good guy for me to have there because he had all those connections back with Merrimack and even other schools. Like, yeah. so he, I mean, he, I owe him a lot for that. Like he, uh, it's a very valid point, man. I mean, looking back at, like you said, the, having coaches that not only wanted to like to bring you in and they, they saw value in you, but you, know, you started winning and then being able to put you onto the next level. Right. A lot of coaches, that's where a lot of people, if you have a bad relationship with the coach can kind of go to die, I guess. Right hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it time and time and time again over my career, just like 
guys who are really good players and even like good guys that you like and play with, but like for whatever reason, they just butt heads with a coach all the time, right or wrong. You're always wrong. Even if you're right, you know, kind of thing. And like, they just get buried. And like you, if you like ruin your reputation with one guy, like that could be your shot to like a hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how right or wrong that is, but like, it's just they're holding kind of a lot of power over you at that, especially at that junior age when you're trying to get those scholarships and stuff. Like, if you break curfew a couple times and then a, a college scout is coming, hey, like, what's this guy like? And they their reputation is on the line too, right? Because like everybody, oh yeah, they're no to bullshit, get, absolutely. Yeah, like you can't you can't lie to a guy because if you take him to your school and then that kid does the same thing and then you know that's your reputation gone and then what happens if you as the coach apply for a job to go somewhere else and you're like well this guy doesn't really have a good judge of character so like you know like it, yeah. it's it's all important stuff like of course at that age you probably don't really think about that or realize it but it's it, it becomes pretty obvious I think as you get older and like I said I've seen it happen so many times over and over and over again like the guys just kind of do it to themselves for sure. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the game will just, will weed out those people at some point. Right. So I mean, for sure. it's, it's, yeah. it's impressive that you're this far into a, a professional hockey career, you know, going back 10 years when we, when we met, I guess. Till, yeah. Till seriously, I can't believe when you say that, I can't believe it's been that long, but yeah, I, I don't feel like it's been that long, but yeah, it's pretty insane. Cause you came in in 2009, 2010, 2010, 2010. Yeah. That's oh, the year we went to we went to the hockey's finals that year. This yeah. first year, yeah. yeah. What did you fly down to Merrimack for? Or no, I that's the you, thing. Yeah. I didn't even go. I didn't even visit. Really, it was you one just of those... kind of put all your faith into the opera, and I mean, hundred percent. Like, spoke to Dennehy. He, did Dennehy come out and watch you? Yeah, I think he maybe did. Came once or twice. Like, I, I think yeah. I committed like fairly early on in that season, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where the opera was just like, "Hey, do it." And yeah, it, I'd only played for him. I probably only knew him for like two or three months. And I was like, all right, I trust this guy. Let's do it. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so that's kind of part of what this hockey AI service that we're, we're putting out there. Because um, this is the pivotal point where you get some offers or you get some teams interested in if you can play with them in the next couple of years. So you have to go then do your own research, right? So what was it like looking at Merrimack versus, were there other options on the table? There was like, but I guess not scholarship wise as much. I think I had the yeah. most like uh, money offer from Merrimack. So, I mean, in all honesty, at that point in my career, like I was just like, like I said, like it was so many years of that struggle where it's like, if something can happen where when it came up, I was just like, doesn't matter to me, like how many guys they have coming back or what's going on. I'm like, I'm going to take this and I'm just going to run with it. Like, I'm going to prove that I can play. I'm going to show up and, it's kind of like, it was a little bit like, I was like a little bit naive, I guess, you know, but like looking back on that, like that was a good thing because knowing myself, like get people who know me, like I overthink a lot of things and like, that's kind of my personality. So I could have just probably stared at that roster for like months and been like, Oh my God, like this guy is going to be this spot, this spot, this spot. And I, but for whatever reason at that point in time, I was just like, whatever, like, let's just go. And it ended up being the best thing that the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Because you would have ended juniors in spring and then enrolled in fall. Is that what happened? Yeah, I ended because, yeah, like I basically had to start taking classes, I think, at Christmas when I was still in Kelowna, just from the local whatever, because whatever, I couldn't explain to you the rules, but like you had to be like enrolled, right? To like, 
I don't oh, know. Oh, I see. Like, it could I, be a transfer over kind of thing. Was like even something like that. It was something to do like that. So it was like I was taking like three classes, I guess, in Kelowna. And then, yeah, like then the next uh, spring or whatever I was – or summer I was in Merrimack, yeah. That must have been a pretty, like, cool experience. Like, I, I did the same thing just coming out of juniors right into to college and not really knowing what to expect. But once you get down there, it's like you're there to play hockey, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. And then now you have to go into school. I mean, for me, I was a couple of years removed and I was, you said you were taking classes beforehand, but what was that experience like going and figure out academically what you're going to do and how you're going to, you know, do that with the hockey and be competitive there? I think I was always kind of confident, like that I would be able to do the school part. So like yeah. you said, like I was so focused on the hockey that like, I don't even think I bought like brought like a backpack or like a, like a pen or pencil, nothing, man. Like it's so bad to say that, but like, I remember going to classes like the first day and be like, shit, I gotta like, I gotta get some like books and stuff like that. I gotta figure out like what I want to take here. And it was kind of like, gotta get a I, library mean, I, card. I looked, yeah, I looked at it like in the summer and stuff and I was like, okay, I knew I wanted to do like business stuff. And then kind of just asked, like, I talked to Mike Collins quite a bit because we had played against, we didn't really know each other, yeah. but we had played against each other, like in the BCHL and stuff. And he was from around, the Boston area right so like he had more of a grasp on things so I just kind of messaged him hey man like what should we take like what what are we doing and we were we were roommates that first year so he yeah. helped me out quite a bit too I remember and like just telling me like yeah like this is what I'm going to take like talk to these guys like they liked it blah 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 kind of thing so I mean I wasn't uh, academically I guess I wasn't too worried like I had the confidence that I would be able to like figure that part out like yeah. and go to my classes and learn like I I really actually enjoyed like it sounds nerdy or whatever but I actually did like enjoy going to my classes there and stuff like it was such a great school like as you could probably test to like your classes are so small and you get to know everybody so well and it was like it was interesting to go into like most of the classes I would say like so I had no problem with that but like you said it was more like like hockey was hockey was the main, <laughs> the oh, main I, thing there like if you're saying you overthink things I couldn't even imagine where your head was at going into like first year <laughs> captain practice it's like, oh you got, yeah, a, you got 30 wild. guys on the ice and it's like, okay. What, yeah. Where do, like, right. And well, like, I, mean, I just remember, yeah, go ahead. I remember them like taping, like the first like practices, like they were videoing the first practices and like breaking down video on the practice, like just the scrimmages. I'm like, Oh my God, like this competition is just like insane. Like I don't even, we probably had like nine or 10 D men maybe on the roster at that point, And you're just like, Oh, like six of us are playing. Like, how's this going to yeah. work? Like, yeah. like then you have to yeah. go back to see like last year who was playing who wasn't playing kind of thing i mean it's pretty yeah. cool though that you did i forgot about that how you you didn't play with mike collins you played against him right yeah yeah so and big had, too actually and bigs yeah, yeah. actually bigs too yeah. so having that like boston connection i guess directly would have been a little bit relieving or someone to kind of rely on for for some answers yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, like it was so foreign to me. And then I don't even know what you used at that time. It was maybe like Facebook messenger or something like talk exactly. to each other. Like, I think that's what it was. I don't know. Like, but yeah, he, like, he was a big help. Just like I said, he guided me kind of along and like, like he, you, you could tell that he knew the, the deal. Like he's been around it for so long or like grew up around it. So he knew like what, what yeah. to do. And yeah, he helped me out big time. Yeah, it's a cool experience that. I mean, a lot of, and again, a lot of American kids now are looking for junior options out in Canada, right? So if you can kind of bridge that gap, it, it really opens your eyes up to a lot of new things and new experiences. And obviously you can attest to this, but then being able to go back to play college hockey in 
your home state would be an incredible experience. Yeah. I mean, I basically, we had like the op- complete opposite experiences, right? Like he yep. came out to Vernon not knowing a single thing about, we talked about that all the time. Like he just said, he like gone off. He didn't even know where he was going. He just landed somewhere and it was just like, what, what's going on? Mountains, yeah. yeah and he just zone. figured it out. Right. Like, yeah. So, and he loved his time there. So, and then it was yeah, flip side for me going out the other way, I guess. No, absolutely. So I, I will kind of wrap, not wrap up the show here, but kind of dial it back. But so some of the influence people influences in your life and just, you know, hockey life and then personal life, um, you know, there are moments throughout hockey that you can identify where you're like, fuck, thank God for that person. Or, you know, if I did this, if I had questions, I could go to this person, kind of get those answered. What was it like for you? Oh man, like honestly, there's probably too many to name. Like I feel like I've been so fortunate in that sense, like just surrounded by really good people. But like I mentioned, the <clears throat> my friend's dad, Kim Gellert is his name. He was the one who uh, coached us when we were younger, and he was the one that got me that opportunity in Italy. And he was he was awesome. Like he was our coach probably from when we were ten till I guess midget, and one of those guys who's just positive and just let us play all these all the different positions like he didn't want one guy to play forward one guy to play d like we switched around all the time like he was just kind of outside the box thinker like and and that kind of stuff like developmental wise like oh man i had so many good coaches through bantam midget like then obviously like i mentioned the optic like going through like those pivotal moments in your life when somebody was there for you to kind of like help you along and then when i got to merrimack and dennehy and then even past that when i started playing pro like dennehy like giving me the connections to like the guys in American league and even with NHL teams to like, um, yeah, like get me to development camps and things like that. And, um, yeah, signing my first like pro contracts and stuff like those people like that were just there for you at those like critical moments. And yeah, it's like something you owe, like you feel like you owe them a lot and kind of something you want to like, you know, pay it forward a little bit when you can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'd be amiss to say too, like having Stetter as our trainer, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can come all down at Merrimack. Those like yeah. those outside services, I guess, call them like strength and conditioning, whether it's nutrition plans, et cetera. Those people that are kind of just helping athletes build themselves up to, you know, perform the best in the, in their sport. That, to me, that's the most incredible thing of going on nowadays. How many people are wanting to give back to that sport, knowing that it's pivotal. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I'd be remiss to not mention Setter, like that guy, the off season training with him was just unbelievable. And like, we had such a good group of guys and he like, when I was in college and stuff still like too, like didn't really have, like when he came home in the summer, like not that much time to like work. So like didn't really have any money. So he was kind of just like helping me out. Hey, just get me whatever you can, whenever you can kind of thing. Like he didn't have to do that. Like yeah, just make guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like you just work your ass off and like push these guys that you're with. Like, yeah. So I am glad to do that. But like guys like that, that just like give you a chance that lets you be around. And if you work hard for them, like then they're, they like having you around. Like it's kind of what I found. So um, yeah, like guys like that, I owe a ton of the message that you have that you can give back to some of the players that are, um, currently in that, you know, one year left a midget into the pending rosters with, with the AJ. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of changes coming up here, but this is going to be the biggest test, I guess, for their careers, you know, facing this adversity to this early on with no one has gone through this at this point. So their parents, I'm sure, are sitting there uh, with a lot of questions themselves. Um, but it's just one of those, like you said, one of those things where you face this adversity, but at it's just so much unknown. Like where, where, where do we go from here? Right. So what's your message back to, to those kids? 
Oh man, I guess just in my experiences, just like in those, like at those critical times, I guess, of your career and your life, like you just got to put yourself in the best possible position you can. And that's like with everything, right? Like you just like listen to your coaches, listen to the positive influences around you and just do everything you possibly can. Like for me, like I love the game enough and I, I wanted to play bad enough that you kind of figure out it out along the way, like didn't rush anything, like yeah. kind of just like went through all the steps and stuck with it kind of thing. And I know that's not for everybody, but if you can just surround yourself with good people and have a good attitude and be a guy that people want to help, it's going to go a long way because you might not be there like exactly where you want to be right now. Or if you compare yourself to other people, like talent wise and strength wise and all those things that we talked about. But if you put yourself out there and make it known that you want to be that, then that's who people like coaches and, you know, people scouting stuff. That's who they kind of gravitate towards too. That's kind of what I found. So if you can like show yourself as that kind of person, then it's going to go a long way. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day right now, it's like, the team aspect is the most important thing, right? If these kids are For trying sure. to get to the next level and use this in a development year, it's about having a good team that, you know, when you show up to even practice, you can rely on guys that are there to play and compete. Um, so it's, it's very important just to understand the context of the, of the year and knowing that, you know, practice is probably gonna be the most pivotal point of, and for development um, of the season. Cause they are certain to, I don't know if you talk to your parents too much, but I think in Alberta here, they're looking maybe towards a regular season and opening up um, the cohorts, I guess, call them, for the junior players. Because the junior players are sitting here kind of just, you know, scrimmaging, and then they have these exhibition games. But, you know, without that re- regular season of 64 games to really figure out your your game and, you know, show off your talents, I guess, it's going to be a difficult year for a lot of those kids. Yeah, it's strange times, that's for sure. I mean, the... Yeah, I don't know what they can do about that, I guess. But yeah. uh, I think you made a good point there about, like, I guess I didn't touch on that as much, but, like, being just a team guy first. Like, I think if you, like you said, if you focus on that and, like, helping your team win all the time, then that's, like, I, I remember we talked about that in college all the time. Like, hey, like, we want to go to pro, play pro after this. Like, they're going to take guys who are winners, right, like, on winning yeah. teams. And we even talked about it still now, even in Norway, like it's a, one of the top leagues. It's a really good league, but there's even younger guys who like, they're looking at that maybe they want to go play like in the NHL or the SHL, like the top Swedish league or whatever, even KHL. Like if they want to make steps up towards that, like you got to be a winner. Like people want, you got to be a team guy. So like, it's, yeah, I think that sometimes gets lost like in, any generation, I guess, but especially maybe now the younger generation. That's a, that's a valid point though. I mean, I consider you a vet now in, in any league that you can play in. So your perspective <laughs> yeah. has probably changed quite a bit of knowing that there's a lot of younger guys you're playing with that have, you know, a decade ahead of them playing. Um, so what, that's a good, good question. What's, what's been your perspective change, I guess, over the last few years till now? Oh man. Yeah. Like time flies by, like that's for sure. But uh I don't know, like, I I guess I've kind of always thought of myself as being, like, a team-first guy, but, like, I honestly, like, still truly believe that. Like, it's what I've seen, like, through my years. Like, the guys who I know that are still playing at my age and 
seriously like that I grew up with now it's only me and one other guy yeah my age and this was the the guy who was in Italy still that I was had been talking about this whole podcast but like you see like how both of us kind of progressed like it was just like maybe we weren't there like at the start when we were younger yeah. like consider these like big prospects or whatever but we kind of just like stuck with it and we're just I think we both kind of always try to be like team guys and like guys hopefully like other guys want to be around and work hard and stuff and I've seen that go a, a, such a long way compared to like maybe guys who are just all about themselves and like you know like all about the individual accolades and that's fine too like guys want to go that way but I've just noticed that it like that burns out pretty fast yeah. compared to like so like when you say like when you look back on it like what have you like noticed I guess your different perspectives like that's kind of it because like yeah you like I said you just see like even being that guy who's just like all about themselves all the time and like individual like just get 100 whatever points a year kind of gets old fast too like yeah. I feel like guys like lose their motivation a little bit like if they're just like so about themselves all the time and then they're just looking for a contract from another team the next year. And then I got to get hundred points so I can go to a different team the next year and get more money and this and that. And of course money's great. It's like obviously a lot of the big reason why we play and stuff, but like compared to like guys who are just like, want to be like build something with a team and like this community, like I said, I've been here now four years and my buddy's been in Asiago now for four years too. Like it, it kind of means or feels like so much more like when you're like part of it and like, that if you're looking for longevity and not everybody is so i completely understand that but if that's what you truly love hockey still and you're looking for that longevity that's what i've experienced like that's what goes the longest way for sure and that's what you can carry on to the next point in your your life right whatever chapter that is once hockey comes to an end those are the skills that you learn throughout hockey that can be directly applied to whatever you do next and if it's a instinctual thing at that point you're setting yourself up for that next step. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's important that you can recognize those things. And obviously people are what they are and they'll, again, weed themselves out, but, you know, developing these skills now with the team and being able to take that to the next step is, is what I really th- took from hockey. That's my number yeah. one thing for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Well, Ellie, appreciate you uh, taking the time. Let's um, we'll have to do it again. Like I said, this is episode one. So we'll have to figure <laughs> out figure out the ins and outs i gotta get a better internet connection it looks like but um, <laughs> yeah let's uh i guess we can end it there obviously yeah. thanks again and good luck and next you guys playing tomorrow you know, you, you, you. no we don't we played last night we play again on saturday so we got a couple saturday. days here which is nice but yeah awesome well thanks yeah. for joining me yeah for, thanks for having uh, for me man i appreciate it yeah it was good to awesome. catch up okay we'll talk yeah. soon